Welcome to WeRDB. I am Brenton, joined as always by Danielle. That's me. Thanks for joining us this week as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week, Raiders number 41 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Psycho. Released in 1960, starring Anthony Perkins and Janet Leigh as the two leads, Psycho is a slasher thriller set in Fairvale, California. Based on the novel by Robert Block from 1959 of the same name, Psycho is produced and directed by Alfred Hitchcock. So, there was a sequel to this, Psycho 2, released 23 years later. Oh yeah. Psycho 3 was released in 1986. Psycho 4, The Beginning, was released in 1990, and all four of them starred Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates, and I feel like they were going to do a fifth one, but he died of pneumonia in the early 90s. Were they good? I don't know. Can't imagine them being. He's playing the same character for 30 years. See, because I hear that, and I'm just like, you know, weird. (laughs) Your reaction is... (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why, I'm just like... I mean, I could see where you could go with this, but, like, I feel like Hannibal Lecter is a much more interesting character to flesh out than Norman Bates. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, cool, he's got mommy issues. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There was a remake to this in 1998, which is apparently, like, shot for shot. Like, they didn't do anything different. They did it exactly as Alfred Hitchcock did, um, with Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates. And apparently it's really bad. It's really bad. I haven't seen it. I just wonder, like, in cases like that, like, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah, that's exactly what Disney's doing with their live action stuff these days. Yeah. I mean, I can see a point for for that because you're going from animated. So there's some right, stuff you Right, so you're changing mediums out. a little bit. Yeah, but, like, you're literally shot for shot remaking the same movie. What's yeah, the point? With Vince Vaughn. Just go, just go watch the original movie. And there was also a TV show from 2013 to 2017 called Bates Motel and serves as a prequel to this original from 1960. Uh, I think that gets better reviews than any of the others, but I still haven't seen anything else. I would have no interest, honestly. Yeah, me neither. I have seen Psycho before. I watched it about 10 years ago and I thought it was fine. I didn't really have a problem, even me as a kid or whatever. I thought, yeah, it's fine. Uh, and I had no interest in rewatching it. I feel like it's... Very tied up with a nice bow. It is, yeah. And we'll get into spoilers in a minute, but is there anything that you want to say that's general about the movie? What was your general impression of this movie before you watched it? Did you have any idea what it was about? I had no idea what it was about. I mean, just using my powers of critical thinking, I'm like, well, it's called Psycho, so it's probably about somebody either going mentally insane or acting unstably or something like that. Yeah, I kind of don't like that it's called Psycho because it makes you look for a killer. It makes you think that there's someone in here who's mentally unstable. Well, and also it's perpetuating that word that is like, not a good word when you think psycho, like to be very like politically correct and mental health advocate for a minute. 
call someone psycho to be like, they're crazy. Like, they're fucking crazy, man. Like, you don't want to mess with this person because they're crazy. And nobody with mental illness is really like that. Yeah, but it was from the 50s when he wrote the book. Yeah, I, I recognize that in a different time and everything. Um, but anyways, yeah, went into it and I'm like, okay, so somebody's nuts, right? And so I was looking for it and it's like, is it this person? Is it this person? Is it this person? What's going on? When does this happen? And then it, it happens. I'm like, oh, okay. But it takes a really long time for the story to get going. It does a little bit, yeah. Yeah. The whole beginning bit, it needed to lay the groundwork. But then, I don't know, the real story doesn't start until Marion gets to the hotel. Yeah, it doesn't really. It's a bit slow. Mm. So this movie kind of starts off with her taking $40,000 that she's meant to put in the bank. And if you're curious... $40,000 $40,000 in 1960 is equated to $350,000 US. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a lot of money. I can see why she has the train of thought where I can start a new life for three hundred and fifty grand. you know? Can you imagine seeing that much cash in your hands? Yeah. That's notable. Yeah. yeah. That's really all I can say outside of spoilers. Yeah, this one doesn't really lend much to the non-spoiler zone. So if you haven't seen this movie, we're going to get into it. Um, and you, sh- everyone sort of knows what the twist is on this one. The interesting thing, though, is that I think a lot of people know what it is without knowing where the reference comes from. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's interesting because this is a very influential movie. So the we'll say it now, the iconic shower scene. I didn't know where that came from, and I'd seen it lots Mm, so I, that was pretty much the only thing that I knew about this on first watch was like, oh yeah, there's the shower scene and it's like, din, 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 like that kind of music. Yeah. It was very iconic to this movie. So I didn't know that came from Psycho and I've seen that in a lot of different references. So when I finally learned, Been I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like a lot of things which just generically become like, that's the high tension music. Well, I kind of compare know. it to the music from Jaws. Yes. Where it's like, dun, dun. Everyone doesn't really know That's where that the comes from music. unless you've seen it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just sort of this impending music that has been solidified in your mind, but might not necessarily know where it comes from. It's the same with this. It was very much the same with like, this. At the beginning, I called this a slasher thriller movie, even though it's kind of not really because that genre has evolved so much since then. Um, but this was kind of the big defining one that defined the genre of slasher movies. Which is weird because, like, the actual quote-unquote graphic scenes were so bad. I don't think it was that bad. The slashing motion was, and, um... It was just, I wouldn't have considered this a slasher movie. I mean, and I know that it influenced the genre and everything. But I remember when you told me that, I'm like, oh, great, I have to watch this now. And then I watched it, and I was like, that wasn't, that wasn't that. I think it's kind of similar to how... Elvis Presley is rock and roll, but then through the 70s and 80s, rock and roll became a whole different thing. Yeah. It's very similar to this. Yeah. Yeah. So this was based on the book, and the inspiration for the book was a serial killer called Ed Gein, and he made furniture out of the skin and bones of his victims. He was a serial killer that was captured in the mid-50s, and he... I don't even... I haven't read much about his case, so I don't know how many people he managed to kill or how long he was doing it for. But I've seen photos of the furniture that he made, and Yuck. he was making, like, skin suits, he made masks. 
He was, was a really he? sick individual. So that sounds a lot more to me like Buffalo Bill than Norman Bates. So Buffalo Bill was inspired by Ed Gein. Norman Bates mm-hmm. was inspired. Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. American Horror Story. House of a Thousand Corpses. There's a lot of things all inspired by this one serial killer case that was uncovered in the 50s. Ew. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yuck. I wonder what they took because there's only so much you could show and cinema in the... When did this come out? The 50s, the 60s? This came out in 1960. Okay, so cinema back then was very different. Like, you couldn't even show kissing at the movies. It was so risque, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so... I just wonder what actual elements did they take from him in this movie? Um, so I'm looking it up. It says that he killed two women. So it, he wasn't killing many, but he dug up nine others, including his mother. And that was his victims. So he was more Eww. of a grave robber. So I'm guessing that's the element that he took and put into Psycho was the obsessed with his mother. He, he dug up his mother. Um, and that's even up. worse. Yeah, this whole that's even worse than if he killed them all. That's gross. Fuck yeah, this so guy. He, he was caught because he started killing people rather than grave robbing. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, he never would. What? I'm sorry. What a freak. Yeah, it's a really interesting true crime story. Um, there's a few movies and documentaries and things. Yeah. I'm not going to go into the kinds of things that the police found in his house when they arrested him. We talked about it, y'all. It was disgusting. Yeah. Just let me just say that. It was sick and twisted. But that would be the element that they took, is this guy dug up his mother because he was kind of obsessed with her. Um, Which is kind of interesting that, like, this same case, Norman Bates was inspired from one thing, but Buffalo Bill was inspired for another thing. It's interesting how you can pull so many things from the same source material. It's just, it's really gross that all of that stuff happened with yeah. one person. That's, I, I hear what you're saying, and it is interesting, but it's just totally, really disturbing. Well, th- particularly that shower scene, like, that's obviously the most graphic of this movie. Yeah. It was very controversial. People in the cinema just, like, couldn't bear to watch the screen. The first time I did watch this was at my grandma's house. Me and my sister watched it. And she couldn't be in the room. She's like, I have to leave. I just cannot be in the same living room as this movie while this is going on. The music is, like, really shrieky um, because it terrified a a whole generation. It really did. This was the epitome of slasher movies at the time. Which is interesting because it's like, have you seen TV? These days, yeah. Yeah. um... Um, Going back to Jaws, this really did, like, when people watched Jaws, when that came out in the 70s, people didn't want to go to the beach. When Psycho came out, people didn't want to have showers. Like, it did what Jaws did, you know what I mean? It put a fear in people. Um, And I think that's really powerful. Whether you think it's tacky now or not, that's a very powerful notion. Um, And that shows that this hadn't really been done before, at least Mm -hmm. not to this caliber by someone like Hitchcock. Mm. Can we start talking about Norman Bates' character a little bit? Yeah. I I think it's... I think Psycho is a really interesting one because it's kind of a murder mystery where the audience already knows who the killer is. Because usually these, it's kind of like a whodunit. You're kind of like following along with the characters to try and figure out who the murderer is. But the audience already knows. Sort of. 
So you think you know everything. It's portrayed to you like, oh, I know what's going on, but the characters don't. Haha. And then by the end, it's revealed that you actually know nothing. You think you know, but you don't. And I think that's really quite brilliant. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where Hitchcock steps in and like, it's a twist on a twist, basically. And I quite like that. And I think it's done quite brilliantly. And I was thinking back after we finished it retroactively, and I'm like, that was really clever, because if you go back and watch it, you realize that those scenes... Can can I say what the twist is? Yeah, we're already in spoiler zone. Okay, so that twist, you think it's Norman's mother, but it's actually Norman. And you go back and you think about it, and I'm like, all those times when she's talking to him, you don't actually see her. Yeah. And whenever you do see her, you don't actually see her face. You don't see her moving? No. And then I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, how did he take her? He carried her downstairs. And I'm like, ooh, he was keeping the body in the yeah. bed. Eee. Yeah. Um, he was preserving it as well. He carried her downstairs, right? He did. He kept it up there. And that was just the voices in his head. You know what I mean? Mm. It was, it was it, yeah, it was weird. Um, but very cleverly done because you never actually see her until the very end yeah which is a very good reveal i thought when i watched first watched it i thought it was fine you know um but the second time that i've seen it knowing the twist i really Mm -hmm. quite like it i like Mm -hmm. following everyone's thoughts and actions as to how they're approaching this i think this is better on a second watch if you know the twist because there's little things in there that you're like oh he's really throwing you off here or this is really good foregrounding um, I think this is more valuable on a rewatch. Mm. I was really interested to to have you watch this one because you normally psychoanalyze people with your sort mm-hmm. of education and background. Um, and we did quite an interesting discussion when we did Science of the Lambs. So I'd recommend going to listen to that episode. So what do you think was actually wrong with Norman Bates? Do you think he was actually a psycho? No, because, again, that word is misused a lot because to say that someone's psycho means that they're psychotic. Um, It sounds like psychopath. Well, that's the thing. So psycho in that instance means that they don't have a conscience, right? They don't have any moral compass or care about the difference between right and wrong. They're very cold and calculating. They don't have emotional attachments. They're generally like geniuses. Yeah, they're incredibly intelligent. Norman Bates, first of all, isn't smart enough, and yeah. he has far too much of an emotional attachment to his mother to be a psychopath. Yeah, So I that agree. got me thinking, maybe he's a sociopath, because both psychopaths and sociopaths have what's called antisocial personality disorder. But then I was thinking about it, and I'm like, that doesn't quite make sense either, because he's... Sure, he's impulsive, but he's he does have an understanding of what he's doing is wrong so you know what i mean like you can see he's shocked when he finds marion's body Mm. you know what i mean and he's disgusted by it whereas the sociopath wouldn't be so i'm like so that's not right either i'm like well clearly he's got some sort of attachment yeah that's kind of strange attachment to his mom so he's like really reliant on her and reliant on her love and even though they've got a dysfunctional relationship like he wouldn't leave her so like so that's really playing into stuff and as it goes on i'm thinking okay maybe he's got like an attachment disorder which can often turn into a personality disorder so kids who have attachment disorders often develop personality disorders in adulthood 
Didn't you say both psychopaths and sociopaths have those disorders anyway? They have what's called antisocial personality disorder. Right. I'm saying often having attachment disorder can lead to having borderline personality disorder. So I was thinking, you know, well, maybe he's just got a weird attachment to his mom and a personality disorder. That's where I kind of landed until the end of the movie. I'm like, oh, what he's actually got. Also, I just want to point out, I'm not a diagnostician. I'm just, I just study psychology. This is my very amateur Yeah, look into it, yeah. Yeah, he, what I decided to land on was that he's got trauma-induced dissociation. Yeah, so a dissociative identity disorder. Yes. So he definitely did have attachment issues, which probably lent themselves to a personality disorder, such as borderline, where you have a really possessive kind of nature. Mm. And so that led him to kill his mom because he was fucking mad that she got a boyfriend. And then because of the trauma of doing that, that forced his personality, he couldn't cope to split becoming Norman and mother. So he's got likely a personality disorder coupled with trauma-induced personality dissociation. That's where I've landed. Hollywood generally calls that split personality. Multiple personality. Yeah. Yeah. That's not really a thing. It's dissociative identity disorder. It's the new name for it. Okay. Do you think that this is a better representation than some of the other portrayals? Like, I can't really think of a good portrayal of a dissociative identity disorder in movies. And something like M. Night Shyamalan's Split is not a really good one. It's interesting. It's different because it actually shows where it originated from, which you don't generally see. Yeah. You don't generally see the trauma that induces the split. Um, But it's different because I don't know if typically people take on someone else's identity. It's just that their own identity will split into different Mm, segments. So their one personality will be the more aggressive or assertive side of themselves. The other might be the meeker, more timid side of themselves. Yeah, because by the end of this, he believes his mother is like alive inside of him. Yeah, he believes he is his mother. So that's a little unusual. Yeah, I, would I wouldn't imagine. say that's typical. Yeah. But also, that this disorder is very rare, and I think it's as well-studied as it can be, but it's that said, it's not super well-studied. So we don't know a whole lot about it, and if it's typical for people to take on other people's identities, I don't think so, based on my yeah, very okay. limited knowledge. I think Anthony Perkins acted better than Janet Leigh did in this. I really quite like just watching him, and I think he's quite good in it. Mm. Even though she was nominated for the Oscar. Was she Marion? Yes. Yeah, she didn't have a very long role in and this. And she didn't have as much range as he did. No. Well, he... It was really interesting starting to watch because right from the beginning, you start to see him like, there's something off about this guy and I can't put my finger on it, but I wouldn't be having dinner with him. And again, you're trying to find out who the psycho is. What's wrong yeah. with these people? You know, is it her? Is it him? Is it the cop who's following her? What was up with that cop, by the way? I don't know. I, it was kind of I really, pointless. He was suspicious. I think that was there to build paranoia in her. Right, okay. Because she's like, oh my god, everybody's chasing me because I stole $40,000. Um, so maybe, like, he wasn't actually watching her at all when she was at the car yard. It was just her own paranoia. He could have been checking something else out, but that's the way it's depicted. 
Mm. I don't know. I really quite like how it shows how much she's thinking while she's driving because you absolutely would. You'd be so paranoid. Yeah. And it's going over this monologue as to what she thinks is happening at that time. Mm-hmm. I think that was a good representation. I like the way it was depicted with everyone's different voices. Yeah. You were saying An- Anthony Perkins, right? Yes. Has quite a range. And he does because right from the beginning, you're seeing there's something a little bit different about this guy. What is it? So to me, the first clue was that he was very quickly changed from like contented to angry back to contented. I would say that's kind of a red flag with anybody. It's like, why are you? Yeah. You know, and that kind of thing. So he's not meant to be an actual psychopath. They're using the word psycho as a general term for crazy. I think so. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then he, as time goes on, he starts to get, you know, you you see him acting under a variety of emotions and a variety of circumstances. So he's, at times he's angry, he's yelling at people, he's watching the car sink into the swamp, he's cleaning up the bathroom after he finds Marion's body. Like, there is quite a range that he's acting through. So I think you're right in saying that he, what am I trying to say? Good actor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We were talking the other day, actually we, we discussed it a little bit more in length when, on the bonus episode that comes out in two weeks um, about how The Wizard of Oz really did some brilliant things with Technicolor. And everything in that movie was trying to highlight the new technology. You've got the ruby slippers, you've got the yellow brick road, you've got the emerald city. Hitchcock kind of did that with black and white in this movie, where he's trying to highlight the use of the technology and the color. So Alfred Hitchcock had done color movies before this. However, he wanted Psycho to be in black and white because for starters, he didn't want it to be too gruesome. It's probably a budget thing, but he did certain things on set with the color so that it came out in black and white, if that makes sense. Really quite well. Came out well. So to kind of elaborate on that with, say, Technicolor, you've got to choose your props so that they're going to come out on film most vibrantly. So you might choose a specific type of green because it'll show up better than, you know, like you might choose an emerald green as opposed to an olive green. So what you were saying that Hitchcock did is he chose, like, the set would look really strange. Color-wise, yeah. Yeah. So that it comes up and your eyes are focused to certain things. Yeah, so, you know, he might have had, like, a bright purple couch next to a bright red bedspread or something, but when it comes out in black and white, it all looks normal and actually highlights what you want to because you're working purely with contrast in black He was quite brilliant in that. One of the more famous ones, particularly, is the blood that he used in in the famous shower sequence was chocolate syrup. Yeah. Because it came out better on black and white film, so I think that's really quite brilliant. Some of the things that he did in order to manipulate light. Because mm-hmm. when he when he puts the cars in the swamp, it's meant to be the middle of the night, but it's like really quite a well-lit set. And mm-hmm. I think his use of color in some of those sequences, what Norman Bates is actually wearing and where your eyes are drawn to in those sets, it's really quite well done. So you knew about the chocolate syrup? I think, I guess so. I didn't know about it in terms of Psycho, but I... You knew that was I've a I've heard trick. that trope, yeah. Okay. Did you ever see the set at Universal? No. Did you go on the tour? 
Yeah, which set? Uh, at Universal Studios in Hollywood, they've got the Bates Motel with the house on the hill in the background. I probably did, but I was young and it meant nothing to me. Right, so okay. I was, I was there just a couple of years ago. Um, so they've got the line of cabins and in the background on the hill, you can see the house. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's the set that was used in this very first one. It could have been used for the sequels or the TV show, um, but it looked identical to this movie. If it was a mm. recreation, then it was a really good recreation. Um, it's pretty cool going driving through the tour there and you get to see these things. I remember the set from like from War of the Worlds and Jaws and everything. I remember War of the that. Worlds, that plane crash scene from War of the Worlds was right next to the house. Like there was flaming debris within meters of that house. Oh, really? On the, the right-hand side of it, yeah. That's just the way that the the land worked at Universal Studios. They've still got that set up there. Hmm. It's interesting, interesting how, yeah. So when you watch that scene from War of the Worlds where Tom Cruise comes out from the basement and there's a plane crash, um, the camera's pretty much standing on on this house from Psycho. Interesting. It is really interesting. Hey, movie magic. There's not really much else to try and dissect with this one. I really quite enjoyed it. I liked it better on the second watch. I think the character is very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I quite liked Anthony Perkins' depiction of it. And Alfred Hitchcock is is pretty good. He's very, I can see why he's very influential. I just remember thinking, why do all these people keep going to this place where no one comes back from? Yeah, I know. They just kept going and going. It's like... God. Red light much. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely not what I was expecting it to be. I think because I really didn't know, and I think you said slasher thriller. I'm like, oh, great, anxiety central, and it, yeah. it wasn't. It was Particularly fine. the first half, you were like, where is this going? Can you just get to the point? And I think you were really taken in by the ending, and you were thinking about it a lot more since we watched it, weren't you? Trying to, like, analyze it a little bit. <gasps> I did like, though, that it wasn't one of those where you're, like, totally out of left field and didn't make any sense. Yeah, like you no, it completely. You sit makes there sense. and you're like, what? And you're like, oh, so it made sense. Whereas there's been other movies that I've watched where I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I have to watch this three times for this to make sense. You should have you should have done that a little better. Yeah. You know? I think the description that the psychiatrist at the end gives for dissociative identity disorder is really quite a good one. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's like a bad diagnosis that he gave in 1960. Like it has it's aged pretty well, I think, mm-hmm. as someone who's, you know, not a professional. Like, it makes sense. Made sense to you. Yeah, the way that he was yeah. describing it, it was well-worded. Yeah. Um, whether or not that's actually DID, I'm not really sure. But for the sake of talking about it. Hell, the depictions of the same character in the sequels probably try and show him more as a psychopath or a sociopath or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're just looking at this very first one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I can't imagine Vince Vaughn in that role. Yeah. I wrote down a point where I said, I don't really see the big deal with Alfred Hitchcock because I can understand why he's influential and his movies are quite good, but I think he's kind of overrated because I have seen Psycho, I've seen Birds, I've seen Rear Window, I've seen North by Northwest. Um, So I've seen quite a few of his stuff, but I kind of take that back because I do love those movies. And we'll be getting to Rear Window in just a couple of weeks I think North by Northwest is very good um, on a second watch. I think Rear Window I've seen a couple of times, and this is the second time I've seen Psycho. So my first initial impression of Hitchcock was that he was overrated, 
but I can absolutely see why he's very influential. I think he was very ahead of his time. I think not having seen any of his other movies, I'm saying he's he's good at drawing in the audience. Yeah, he was very big on that, yeah. Like, not trailing you along, but keeping you interested in following along, you know what I mean? Birds was kind of dumb, though. I quite like his stuff, is my point. We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials. We're most active on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook, comment on SoundCloud or YouTube, or support us on Patreon. We've got every episode uncut and unedited, as well as bonus episodes every month, polls voting on what you want to hear. All of this extra content is unlocked and free to everyone. It's just our platform for that content over on WeRDB on Patreon. And until next week, thanks for listening. We'll get into spoilers in a minute, but is there anything that you want to say that's general about the movie? I get that. Did you have any idea what (laughs) what the fuck was that noise? (laughs) That's going in the edit at the end, isn't it? Jesus. Um. Uh. (laughs) You sound like the chicken from Moana. (laughs) I love that chicken. I get that.